0: I'm Kendall Ratliff. I believe that you can change your life by trying one thing at a time. You can learn more at my website, tryonething.co, or by tuning in to the Help NSFW podcast.
1: And I'm Johnny Fairplay, reality TV, well, a survivor. And throughout my adventures, I've met a lot of interesting and motivating characters.
0: Johnny and I made this podcast because we want you to unlock your full fucking potential. So whether you want to get a little more badass or a lot more badass, Strap in. Join us here each week. It's Help NSFW.
1: Welcome to Help NSFW. I am Johnny Fairplay. I am always joined by Kendall Ratliff, but we have a special guest in studio. This is a first, first time ever local pastor here in Danville, Virginia, Ryan Busby. Welcome to the show. Hey
2: everybody, I'm so happy to be here.
0: Today, we did not let Satan or the hackers win. There's something weird going on with uh, Instagram and Facebook and the rest of the internet. And we said, no, not today, Satan. We have a pastor here.
1: <laughs> yes. Apparently, made <they laughs> all the difference, we brought our holy water. <laughs> uh, so, what was it your prayers that made this happen? Or was it just life? Uh, like, what, what do prayers do? That's my question. Can I, can I?
0: Softball question out the gate. Yes. No, sophomore <laughs> question. Yeah.
3: Uh, Either. I, you
2: know, I mean, like, so like prayer, you can say there's two things. One, like it gives you a chance to align yourself with God. So prayer is a chance for you as you're processing your life. A, to give it to, to God, give it to the divine and say, this is my life. I and mean, here it is. And then also it gives you a chance to, as you're processing in the midst of that sacred space, to kind of reorient. What you're experiencing, and to receive it back to yourself, so you kind of know where to head and go. You know, in a in a very basic way, it's a way of of saying like, as you sit in the silence and you believe that God is there, you are receiving both the assurance that God is here and with you, and then also the fact that, oh yeah, I can process my stuff and I can come out of this and move forward with whatever's going on. So it's a little bit of both.
3: Okay. Um,
0: In my past life as a um, college minister, I was leading a session on prayer at a Baptist um, youth retreat. And I said that you can say fuck when you're praying. And I was told that that's not okay to talk about in front of the young people. Uh, (laughs) I I, bet. (laughs) I still don't know if that means that God doesn't like the word fuck. If God's okay with the word fuck, you just can't say it in a prayer, or we're just not supposed to be like really honest with teens about being a full human in your relationship with God.
2: Any thoughts? Well, I think God can handle it.
0: That's Um, what I said.
2: Like if if the thing that holds all things together can't handle you dropping an F bomb, then we're in some trouble. Like if God's personality is that small. Like, mm-hmm. to not be able to handle language mm-hmm. plus you've got language and scriptures too that talk like through the full range of emotions and anger and stuff like i mean truth be told like there's plenty of times i've like literally like i like was just frustrated at serious points in my life so, i'm mean, I God, i hate you and i hate mm-hmm. this i mean mm-hmm. to be candid um yeah like I, I think that cursing at god is fine um because god is not so small that god can't process where you are. Now, because if you're cussing at God, you're being honest with God. And that's what God wants. Like if God truly knows how you're feeling, then you telling God like, I hate this. This is awful. This is the worst. Like that's okay. And if it's late with a bunch of bitches, that's going to be okay
0: too. I completely um, agree. Thank you for yeah. telling me that I am right. <laughs> oh, <of course. laughs> yeah, we, yeah we, well, I mean like right,
2: like, like but cuss words are social constructs, right? Like they're 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 language that we have developed and given meaning to. And so like the cuss words and stuff that we have developed in our own culture. Um, more are culturally dependent. like and, and so, like, to pretend, like, I mean, God understands. Um, I, don't, I don't mean to ramble here, but, no. like, just, I think I would rather you talk to God however you need to than for you to pretend like you have to talk a certain way. Yeah. I know I do as a person, like, as a pastor. Like, I would much rather have somebody cuss in front of me than be super awkward and not be able to have a
0: real conversation. It is hard enough to get through life. We were just before, um, before Johnny fixed the internet, uh, we were talking and I was With realizing. Yeah. Oh, I thought you, I thought you found the pump and like.
1: <laughs> I, I, I did both. Okay. <laughs> but we I appreciate your work. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to get credit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so out of practice um, code switching. Like, do I answer a question like an appropriate professional person or how I really feel? And that, that shit's exhausting. And if, my thing is, if you have to do that in your relationship with God, well, good luck. This yeah. is why people don't come to church. Yeah.
1: yeah. Right. Well, we, we, uh, Ryan and I, we were playing pinball a couple weeks ago, and, uh, pinball can be frustrating. So, you know, much like life. And, <laughs> you know, and, and I asked Ryan, I'm just like, you know, do you ever slip and say, God damn. And, 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 and Ryan has philosophy. He's just like, well, you know, like, you know, taking the, the Lord's name in vain, like, that's not what I think that's not what Ryan personally believes it means when you say that. Like what what was yeah.
2: Well, like like G D is like a cultural <laughs> phrase to be developed, right? Like, yeah. so like in the old like Old Testament, like when they're talking about taking the Lord's name in vain, it's taking and using God and using God as a promise or manipulating God in a way so as to and God is on your side in certain events. And so it's it's using God vainly for your own purposes. Right. <laughs> so like whenever mm. so like to be candid, like so, like when like politicians invoke God for their platforms, like, that's taking God's name. Yeah, like me slapping like you know, God told me like, whatever. Right, it's just like whatever agenda I have. That's taking God's name. Like not getting mad at Stranger Things pinball because it's cringy. That's, that's not taking.
0: So you're set until you get better at pinball, Johnny.
2: I'm I'm
1: like it was honestly like I, I felt that that the seas parted way. <laughs> like like it, it was it was a, a divine intervention for me to hear them because you feel bad. I mean you know like being raised in a Southern Baptist community is just like oh you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, and it's just like well maybe you're halfway right on half of these things.
0: Is always good to consider the fact that maybe I'm only half right.
1: Yes. Well, then I think you know when you're only half right on half the things, you're only a quarter right.
0: I don't. Appreciate, at most. I don't appreciate you bringing
1: fractions. I, no one said there'd be math.
0: So, Brian, <laughs> it sounds like you know a lot about the Bible. Did you? Do you just read it a lot? Do you start at the beginning, go to the end, and then retrack? What, how How did you learn this stuff? Oh. Right.
2: Uh, I don't know. No, uh, you know, so I mean, y'all want my spiritual journey in a brief sh- nutshell? Is that what you want
3: here? For yeah, and I do. I challenge you to
0: do it in five sentences.
2: Ooh. Yeah. I grew up in a small town, First Baptist Southern Baptist Church. I felt a call to ministry my senior year of high school and went mm-hmm. to college and got a bachelor's uh in religion i continued my theological journey in seminary got my master's degree Mm -hmm. at uh, the former blocks seminary in abilene texas may it rest in peace Um, through that process of college and (laughs) (laughs)
3: here
2: comes a bunch of commas (laughs) began the process of deconstruction as i was academically studying what had only been like regular church life and like Sunday school faith.
3: Uh, mm-hmm. Through my deconstruction, I came
2: to a more robust understanding of religion and spirituality and God and how all those things interconnect. Uh, so here I sit.
0: That was five sentences, everybody. Good job. And Ryan counted on his fingers so <laughs> that Johnny and I didn't have to because we're pretty dum dums.
1: You didn't want to see me count to 11. So I assure
0: you. <laughs> I think that um that deconstruction image is really important. Um my past life also included going to seminary and something that I loved a pastor professor at seminary said um seminary is you come you arrive at seminary and you have got a packed suitcase and it is all of the theology, mm-hmm. beliefs, values, behaviors, it's everything that faith-wise you grew up with, that your family of origin, your your church, your congregation, synagogue taught you to believe um, and taught you was true. And the process of seminary is take everything out of that suitcase and decide what you want to put back in. And I just, I think we all have a lot of suitcases, whether it's about our faith or about how families should work. Um, the idea that you actually have permission to Take everything out and decide what you want to put in that suitcase. Was there anything like that for you when you were in seminary? You mentioned the deconstruction.
2: Yes. Yes. Uh, And so, you know, actually, in a similar metaphor, so we're going to be overly metaphorical. Yes. uh, Our seminary talked about how, like, the process that they gave us was like, it was like a buffet. And so you go in and they were like, here's.
3: Here's the gamut of the
2: options of the Christian tradition. Like we're going to Mm -hmm. show you kind of historically where everything falls. And it's up to you to pick and Mm -hmm. choose what's going to work for you on your platter. Mm -hmm. And and so that's what I did. I I actually began the process in college. Uh, It it happened because I had this delightfully aggressive Old Testament professor who walked into our class. I was a freshman, right? So I'm an 18-year-old kid. I walk into this Old Testament class and he's like, gives us a syllabus goes through Mm it, and does your homework is to go through and read the two genesis accounts and tell us all the differences and like why there's two different creation accounts but that was it like and that began the journey of processing and realizing Mm -hmm. the tension and all the the beauty and the uniqueness of what all these ancient texts were and what sort of literature they were Mm -hmm. and what their purposes were and they weren't just this thing that you're told to believe because you're supposed to believe it but it is this living cacophony of voices all dancing together to tell Mm. a, a story
3: yeah
0: i think um i would just agree on the account of aggressive old testament professor i'm thinking back to the old testament professors i've had and every single one of them was eccentrically aggressive so i'm glad that's a common theme um johnny what about you what where did how did you get from southern baptist upbringing to where you go to church and do you go to church
1: I do. I go you I to gotta, I gotta your church when I go.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. You switched. I switched. See, it's been so long since I've been in person and I haven't been tuning in on YouTube.
1: Yeah. So, so no, Facebook. I, I went to the church that Ryan is at now mm-hmm. and, um, I started going there. I don't even know how many years ago now. And, uh, my pastor is John Carroll and he was awesome. He looked like uh, for those of you that watch wrestling he look like uh, he looks like Finn Balor for those of you that watch uh, DC um, uh, television shows he looks like the flash on the WB uh Grant Gustin and a uh, great looking guy he was my neighbor and and when I first moved into the the house I lived in uh, he came over drank some moonshine with me and I was just like wow you're pretty cool and you look like Finn Balor in the flash and uh, he was like hey come to church I was like ah, I'm good and um and I uh, I went through a period in which I was trying to make myself the best self that I could. You know, I started running three to 10 miles a day, which I, I still do. Uh, I went, uh, I started seeing a psychologist and I actually went to a Christian based psychologist. Uh, just I, like I kind of wanted to kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> So it's just like, hey, I get a little for column A, a little for column B. So, and it doesn't matter if you go to a, a, a faith-based uh, psychologist or a non-faith-based; they don't answer anything. They, they just give you questions. So, if you're, if you're looking for answers anywhere, you will not find them. I promise you. If, if there's a psychologist involved, <laughs> they
2: want to keep their license, That's right?
1: True. And so, uh, so I decided to add, you know, the the you know, I, I was eating right and stopped drinking, all these things, and 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 so the 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 Final element. I was like, let me try church. I, I grew up in in Danville, Virginia, and I went to uh, North Main Baptist. I remember, you know, every Sunday you get the uh, uh, you get a disciple keychain and stuff. You know, they 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 did the gimmicks, you know, mm-hmm. to make you go. And uh, so I went. And what I took out of going to church, like, and and it, it still holds true today. I I can't tell you the 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 Bible passage that's read. I probably can't tell you uh, most of the points being illustrated in the sermon. However, I personally, I use it to to put me in a headspace and uh, to serve as a reminder weekly to just do something good, do something good that week. And, you know, and if if one hour of my week of my life is all it takes for me to do that personally, that works for me. And so uh as I said, I I I went to Ryan's church. Uh my my pastor John Carroll left and you know uh and he was like, hey, you know, I'm leaving. And I was actually one of the first people he told. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, uh I don't know who they're gonna have to replace me. You know, uh, you know, I don't think everyone was super happy that, you know, that they rolled the dice, uh, you know, being an old church with an old congregation. They rolled the dice on a, on a younger pastor and then worst case scenario, he leaves. So he was like, he goes, I don't know how this is going to shake out. He goes, he goes, there is potential that they will go the opposite direction because they got burned. So I was like, well, I'm not coming if the guy, if the, if the guy or girl, I don't care uh, what, what sex I need young. I need cool. I need someone that I can identify with. And so uh, John recommended your pastor who would, who had just come over. That's right. uh, hi, not, Drew. Hi, Drew. And, hey, Drew. and uh, so I, I met with, with Drew. I, well, I went, I, I checked out a sermon and then, and then Drew and I went and had coffee uh, coffee. <laughs> coffee and, uh, (laughs) coffee talk. (laughs) And, uh, it was great. I gather, I'm just like, this is a good fit. And, and so I was, I was going every week, you know, until COVID and then, you know, watching online and, uh, and I, I'm starting back going in person, just kind of my, my life is a little bit in shambles (laughs) work-wise. So let me, let me get that. And then let me, let me, let me get everything lined back up. And, uh, but in the interim, you know, a year later, Ryan is hired as the new pastor. I was like, oh, I was just like, this dude seems cool. And you are. And uh, the 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 premise for us being here today is, uh, you know, I do a survivor podcast and, and we, I do everything possible not to talk survivor on this podcast. If you need survivor talk, I got 100 other podcasts a month. Go find them. Um, but uh, on the new season of Survivor, there's a uh, there is a woman. Uh, her name is Sh- uh, Shan. And she grew up in Toronto. She was born in Toronto, grew up in D.C., joined a street gang, and is now a pastor. And so we were doing the cast assessment, and they're like, Johnny Fairplay, you know, how do you think Shan's going to do? And I was like, well, you know, being a pastor, she's probably used to, you know, lying, cheating, and stealing. She should do great. And, you know, and, and the room went silent, like, (gasps) how could you say, and I'm just like, I'm kidding. I was like, but let me say this. I'm like, pastors can be cool. You know, I go, uh, uh, we both have children, uh, the same age, uh, Ryan and I, and we, we, we do the youth soccer, and uh, I, I I go to see uh, my daughter Madeline play soccer. She's four, and I wear a soccer dad T-shirt that happens to say, lie, kick, and, sh- and steal at the bottom, available at johnnyfearplay.com. <laughs> and I look over, and there's the cool pastor uh, uh, with, with uh, his son on the other team wearing a Ballad Brewing T-shirt, which is the local brewery here. And I'm like... Pastors can be cool. This dude is at a a four year old <laughs> soccer game <laughs> wearing a local brewery shirt. That's cool. Like that. This guy plays Survivor. I'm not thinking, oh, he's going to sit every down, everyone down to do Bible verses before every challenge, and then it's going to be and going to explain to everyone how, hey, you know, you know, we technically can't vote anyone out because it's wrong. I don't feel like that's the case. <laughs> no, it's
2: not. I mean, I, I don't have any cool stories like. About like she did. Like, I
1: mean, yeah yeah uh you know and 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 you and i had this uh, you know i i i i broached the idea of you being on the podcast and, and i saw you had just finished up doing Oktoberfest beer olympics <laughs>
3: this like, is this is true yeah.
1: <laughs> did you win no <laughs> no, no. no.
0: <laughs> you just have to keep training
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> rigorously Yes. So but no, I like I, I, you know, uh, John Carroll would go have a have a beer. I said had moonshine with me the the first night I met him, you know, Drew, our pastor, you know, you'll see him at at Ballad, you know, more than once a week.
0: (laughs) That is actually I'm I'm having coffee with Drew on Wednesday and he saw me at Ballad and then called the next day to set up a meeting, set up a meeting. I hope I'm not in trouble for not attending. But like, oh, yeah, we ran into each other at Ballad. And so now we're going to we're going to catch up. In person, so he's a good pastor.
1: Yeah. but but I feel like you, if you're not a part of the community, it's hard for you to tell the community what they should and shouldn't do. And I don't think your 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 exact position is to tell people what they should and shouldn't do. But I feel like you give us some guidelines as as a as a voice of God.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, like, I think one of the first hurdles I had to like, you know, I guess one of the best, best ego hits I got really early was realizing like I I can't change people like at all, Mm -hmm. even if I thought that was my job, then I'm the worst at my job ever, because like in ministry, like while you have a platform and a voice and you have kind of a a duty to your people, like I can't change you and I don't need to waste my time trying. Um, And so rather, I think a really great ministry philosophy or just a life philosophy in general is, um, I hate to kind of jump to this already, but kind of like Irenaeus is an early Christian leader and he used to say that the glory of God is humanity fully alive and so I think that part of ministry is helping people to become fully alive fully themselves fully their authentic self not the self that i have created in order to survive in this world that we you know like that that armor that we put on to kind of like that we've developed from our like kindle like from our family systems from our from our early church systems, but learning who I truly am and what my passions truly are, and then aligning that to, to the good purposes of this world. And that's, I think, what passion pastoring ought to be, is giving people's tools and equipping them and encouraging them to be that person. And that's when they're going to change the world. That's when, and that's when the divine is most satisfied, is when we're living who we were meant to be.
0: Hmm. So you've, you've taken the wind out of the sails for my question, because... Um what got Johnny into first Baptist was his neighbor being cool with him and not really pushing church, but just being a cool person. And, you know, is it hard to balance whenever you're talking to someone who doesn't go to your church, you're representing your church. And so like sales mentality, the more people I can get into my church, the more stable it'll be, we'll have more money coming in. But once people clock that, that's your intention, it's not going to work as well. But it sounds like you're just into being authentic and being yourself. And so I guess you're not I guess you're not walking around with a sales mentality about your church. No, I mean
2: I think First Baptist Rocks and people should come and check us out. Like there's I don't think there's any sense in hiding that. But no, like I mean we grew up with sales. We can smell a sales pitch and a mm-hmm. salesman from a mile away. And if you're like me, you just avoid them. Mm-hmm. So why would I go and want to pur- that guy that I hate, right? Um, it just doesn't work, um, and it's gross, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's not just because it doesn't it work, feels if it feels bad because, yeah, because if it works, you still shouldn't do it anyway, yeah, because it's sleazy, it's inauthentic, it's not encountering people where they are and journey with them in life. Uh, spiritual friendship is a much better direction to be as people who are people of faith walking in this world rather than spiritual salesmen.
0: So you have done movement work, which the first time you talked about it, I thought you meant like physical therapy. But I think you mean more like. um...
1: (laughs) Did you really think physical therapy? Yes, he (laughs) said.
0: Look, (laughs) Ryan said that he trained to be a movement chaplain. And so I thought it was a chaplain that embodies chaplaincy and that it involves like sitting on some exercise balls and like, you know, like a combination of yoga and chaplaincy. I thought that's what movement chaplaincy meant. The more you talked, though, you (laughs) talked about being a chaplain for nonprofit workers and people who are community organizers. So I'm thinking now that when you say movement chaplain, you mean more like community organizing. Now tell me if it's a third thing and I'm still wrong
2: that that's pretty close okay so, so yeah yeah not um
1: Kindle's the smart one too that's the that's the problem i have at this point
2: but that's not what i'm trained in at all <laughs> uh, Obviously, oh, anyway, no it's not what i'm good at uh rather yeah it's coming alongside people and giving them support and giving them tools and practices so that they can do sustainable good work mm-hmm. like in like in Certain careers, you have higher burnout rates than others Mm -hmm. and in nonprofit life and in activist life and in organizing life, like burnout rates are systemically higher than in other careers. And so what I got training is, is how do I as an individual and then hopefully create a network of support beyond just myself to provide support in this area for folks mm-hmm. so that they can keep doing their work and not quit and go into another field because that's what we don't need we don't need people coming in trailblazing for two or three
3: years five years and then
2: leaving that field completely like we need them to do methodical intentional work to make real progress in our world mm-hmm. and I want to be come alongside them so that they can
0: do that It's, it's a huge need, um, as someone who's experienced nonprofit burnout in the last year, (laughs) I have to tell you, geez, huge need. Um, I think, you know, I think about this with, are you making relationships to recruit to your church or to, um, just be yourself out in the world? I, I, with movement work, uh, nonprofits, sorry, I'm not leading with the, the punchline here. Um. I always think about metrics. And in my nonprofit job, which involved a lot of community building, relationship building, and then in previous ministry jobs, the nuts and bolts of the work itself, I really liked. But you have to have metrics at some level. You know, the number of people in your church matters, and your church is noticing how many seats are filled or empty. And church is, in some ways, a business. The utilities company does not uh, turn your lights on for free just because you're a faith institution. Um, And the same with nonprofits. And so that was, I don't know that having a a nonprofit chaplain would have helped with this or not. But looking back, I realized that was my constant um, frustration point with community work, relationship work for a job, is that no matter how good you felt about, no matter how good I felt about the work I was doing, I knew in the back of my mind that numbers and metrics mattered and when that was in ministry jobs where it's it's people's faith and and their their souls like having to put a number on how many lead, ha- having to talk about it in a sales way like as if the people that you are talking to are are leads um that felt terrible but it was also you know one of my jobs was a, a church outreach job and how could I not be aware that if none of these people, Ever come to this church? How long are they going to be interested in funding this position? So I don't know. Maybe it would have made a difference to have had like a a nonprofit community worker chaplain to talk to about these things. But instead, I'm talking about it with you now. What a well, podcast! I, you know, <laughs> hindsight is 2020.
2: It is what it is. You know, like, and that's and part of it too. Is you know, I think a lot of people get scared too because when they hear chaplain, it's naturally a really, that's true. And, yeah. and actually, the pastor, first Baptist, being a chaplain, you're making those connections,
3: but mm-hmm. like, that's not really the point.
2: The point is me to be able to provide emotional and spiritual support for people across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's what's really great, too, is no matter where someone is you know, on their path or their belief system, it's giving them tangible tools mm-hmm. so that they can do healing work, that they mm-hmm. can do rest well, mm-hmm. or, you that know, they can do. Practices for holistic living mm-hmm. and yeah, becoming better versions of themselves, or at least more sustainable versions.
0: And you're you're involved with our local LGBTQ group. So would you say that are you doing that as as a participant, or is that is that part of your hope too to be a, a positive resourcing um, presence to to our local LGBTQ community?
2: Yeah, uh, I think it probably at a couple of levels. One, I want to be a support to our LGBT community because it's important that mm-hmm. they get support, mm-hmm.
3: um, especially outside the
2: walls of institutional Christianity mm-hmm. because yeah. you know, Christianity has done so much damage historically mm-hmm. and uh, has a long way to go to heal that and to make amends. I would say make restitution for those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And then, two, as a participant, um, I, I have uh so many friends and family that are part of the lgbt community that i want to be an ally i want to be Mm -hmm. in support i want to be at things so that's why like you can find pictures of me at the one of the drag shows that works outside you know recently at the other brewery in town Um, (laughs) and doing other things because i care and i want to be a support, Mm -hmm. and i think it matters Um, and so as a matter of fact we just finished up our first um it was a was a zoom which i'm so everyone is in doubt but it is is. (laughs) um we had a zoom church hurt session like i was able to talk to people and just tell them like no you're not crazy like churches can hurt you and like you're carrying baggage And let's name this and here's some practices to go away from that we're trying to make that a a regular thing um so that folks are developing support with kaleidoscopes Mm -hmm. of to heal from church hurt church trauma because yeah yeah, that's that's very real church can be just as awful as anywhere else
0: sometimes mm-hmm. so. that's awesome i'm really glad you can be a presence there was did you have any worry about political fallout for that at your church
2: um I, no uh just because i'm at a point in my life where i don't care anymore yes, <laughs> the <bucket laughs> point we love it well, I, so the search committee and i were very clear with each other and am getting them in trouble by talking as candidly as i am right now like where we stood on things and then they knew who well, i and they Mm knew where I fell on certain issues Uh, and so they knew what they were hard
3: like Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna hide that
2: now that everyone in the church like the church is a spectrum and to say that everyone Mm -hmm. at the church is where I am is a lie Mm -hmm. but we are a church that cares deeply for folks we try to be a welcoming place we're still in conversational journey about where we want to head Mm -hmm. and in directions and issues but I mean like it is no secret that first baptists has lgbtq folks leading in the church serving in the church and being fully participating
0: but does your church know that because my grandma's church became a very queer welcoming church all around her and up until the last year of her life her thing was well they're just roommates gran they've adopted <laughs> children
3: together <laughs>
0: Rent's not that expensive. They're, they're life partners. By the end of her life, she was like, yes, they are gay and okay with me, but it is, it is amazing. She did, she did have decades of multiple cohabitating life partner, gay couples in her church. And she was like, well, they're just roommates.
2: Well, you know, there's probably some of that. Um, (laughs) I mean, obviously, but I I think that.
1: <laughs> man they are really close roommates wow. it's so weird um, <laughs> I don't, do they sign a lease for the kids
0: <laughs> they can only afford one bed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's the journey I think for a lot of churches I mean maybe not some like Southern Baptists you're never going to have those conversations but for churches that aren't in those particular like evangelical Christian subcultures like this is the tension that we're in. Some churches have already like been, the, they've already created the brave space. They've already had those hard conversations and they've made decisions either to be fully affirming or not affirming.
3: Mm-hmm. And a lot of churches are
2: stuck in this kind of like awkward dance or like, yeah. how do we talk about this in a way that we don't kill each other and don't mm-hmm. hurt and don't hurt people in the process. Right. And so, and that's part of, I mean, that's eventually, that's part of my job is to help the church that I pastor have those conversations yeah. and say you're gonna to have to make a decision at some point. Like it's 2021. And so how do you walk in faith together and have a good conversation about are we gonna be are we gonna be welcoming and affirming or are we not gonna be welcoming
0: and affirming? And not not making the decision is a decision because for people like me, I want to go to a church that is intentional about being welcoming. But now that I'm saying that, I don't know if. I don't know if our church, Donnie, has come out and said a an emphatic statement. So never mind. I'm I'm full of shit. I don't practice yeah. what I preach. It's okay. <laughs> it's,
2: most of us don't. Um, but no, you'll have it. As a matter okay. of fact,
0: there's only one church. <laughs> <laughs> and First Baptist takes the lead.
2: Well, like, we haven't
0: either. <laughs> no. I'm, just, I'm just
3: being honest. Like, right. it's yeah. it's hard. And mm-hmm. we,
2: like the, the Grace in Maine is the only church in this town Okay. that is. That's not because the denomination said so, is made that decision. Mm
3: -hmm. Um, And and they're it. And they're an
2: intentional community. And that's not everybody's jam. They're fantastic. And I love working with them. They're
3: wonderful partners. I think
2: they do some good work. The Hearns are some of the best people you could ever meet, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Um,
1: And for those of you that don't know, Danville, Virginia has more churches per capita than anywhere uh, in the the US.
0: Yeah, yeah. If not the (laughs) most.
1: yeah sure. uh, that is, is we're a
0: churchy place
1: yeah very so, so to have that many and have one out of <laughs> how many
2: <laughs> yeah i know like officially like there are denominations right yeah. so the Episcopal church is well, mm-hmm. a denomination, welcoming but that also varies church to church because some churches can say well yeah that's the thing
3: but we're uh,
2: yeah we're, we're gonna we're, let you know, <laughs> know. And, and so that's, yeah. that's part of it you know and the same thing with the presbyterian church same thing with yeah.
3: Anyway.
2: Right. Um, yeah. So it just it, churches need to have yeah. these conversations, and we need to do it well. And like I have been here. What is today?
3: Tomorrow will be a year.
0: Oh tomorrow my god!
1: Tomorrow I will have been in town a year.
0: Wow. Holy. He- Happy Holy shit! It's very holy. <laughs>
3: uh.
0: Yeah. So like I don't have it.
2: We're still learning each other. And I did it in the middle of a pandemic. So like all the relational credit that I would need to have as a minister to walk people intentionally through that conversation I have not built. And it's going to take time. And then we'll figure out what the church wants to do. So.
0: And, you know, Johnny mentioned our town. Danville was the last capital of the Confederacy. Our, Like many towns in the South, um, our, our racial history is deeply racist and deeply segregated. And I think your church actually... There, there was a spinoff church from First Baptist that was the black congregation and First Baptist was the white congregation. I can't remember enough details to make that make sense at the moment, but um, there's enough racial work, like there's enough um, economic justice work to be done in Danville. You're so right that you need to build the relational capital to do something like have a, a conversation about um, being a gay welcoming church. And it it is still so frustrating because there's enough other work that needs to be done on, on racial healing, on, on economic healing in our community, not even economic healing, just like helping some people. There's a lot of poverty in our town. But I say that as someone who feels very confident in God's cool with people being gay. So like, why are we still talking about this? And you're right. As the head of your, as the head of your church, pastor of your church, that You know where people are and and what it would take to move forward. I have strong feelings about this topic. (laughs) And you should. All right.
1: So uh, every podcast we uh, we invite our guests to uh, to name a charity that they feel strongly about or not so strongly about. I like I, I don't know why you would name one that you don't feel strongly about. I I feel that most people have leaned in on the ones that they feel strongly about. Would you, but do, you, do you think that's far that's been the trend? Yeah, they
0: they usually have strong big feelings. Okay. Positive ones.
1: Okay. Do you do you have uh, such feelings? I, I do. So
2: I was. Just- <laughs> on the board so you know of uh, our local homelessness shelter is called
3: House of Hope mm. and we all, it is the
2: only one in this area not just in the town proper but in this Southside Virginia region House of Hope is the only traditional shelter that there is that's not tied to domestic abuse Right, we have some domestic abuse shelters but that's mm-hmm. different so for whatever reason this area has one small shelter, for homelessness, for yeah. getting people in transition, which is staggering to me.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, well, yeah, and, and so the good news is, is that we're in the process of getting acquiring some grants to greatly expand capacity, which is great. Nice. Um, but this shelter is also in the midst of recognizing mm-hmm. that in order to then staff a highly upgraded shelter, we're gonna need to hire more staff, we're gonna have to increase payroll, and we'll see a homelessness increase um,
3: and I'm not getting on a high horse
2: here, but uh, inevitably, whenever you uh, you bring in a casino in a few years, which we're going to be in Dan Vegas now, mm-hmm. and we're going to have a casino, naturally, um, with all the travel that comes back and forth from that, that creates opportunities for homelessness numbers to increase. Mm. And so how do we prepare for that well wow. as, a, as a city to be able to tend to those people and
3: help mm-hmm. them get back on their
2: feet? I mean, I, I don't know the stats uh, fully, but the numbers are high that most Americans uh, would be on the streets if they missed like one to two paychecks. I I think it's over 50% of us would be out on the street if like our income was not there for like, Mm -hmm. for a very brief amount of time. Mm -hmm. And so homelessness is close to all of us, even if we Mm -hmm. don't, aren't cognizant of that fact. Mm -hmm. And so how do we make space to not judge people who have fallen into homelessness, but to give them a chance to recover and move forward?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, So House of Hope. Yeah,
2: House of Hope. Or if you don't feel comfortable giving to this one, give to your local homeless shelter. Like they need money and resources. And so if you're feeling weird giving to that one, like look into your own community and give to yours too. Like it's needed everywhere.
1: And we'll provide the link in the show notes. You'll see the link to uh to to make a make a donation.
0: And the cool thing, um, Ryan mentioned that they were applying for grants. Anytime an organization, a nonprofit, is applying for grants. Not just the number of donations they've gotten, but the number of donors they have really matters. And so if you give $5 to House of Hope, that is still incredibly helpful to them. Because that's one more person on their roster um, saying, I believe in this this mission. And grant funders absolutely look at those numbers. Again, it's back to fucking metrics. <laughs> <laughs> to give to House of Hope or another homeless shelter.
1: Yeah. And uh, secondly, we... Always ask our guests for a call to action.
2: Yes. So I've already quoted Irenaeus, and I'm going to go back to that. So I want you to be fully alive, be fully human, be your authentic self. Because when you do that, you are creating more good in the world. And you are, in my opinion, as a minister, and some of you don't care about this part, but like you are being who the divine made you to be. Like, so you are making the divine happy when you are living your best life.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So pursue what makes you passionate. Pursue the things that make you a more healthy person. Do things like, y'all have already had such a great cast on here. I don't, I'm so humbled to be like, <laughs> following some of the other folks. Like, to go to therapy. Like, I'm in therapy. Go get therapy. Like, go and
3: and recognize the need
2: for like, how to like connect to like practices whether it's a yoga or like meditation or contemplation to ground yourself so that you can be the best version of
1: yourself don't don't be a realtor and be a full-time podcaster <laughs>
2: well only if that balance brought you pure joy man oh
1: you you have no idea <laughs> well, i have been saying hallelujah for 4 days straight i don't use the word hallelujah <laughs> It's even appropriate after. <laughs> oh, that's sweet, I'm uh, glad I got my timing down. <laughs> Did I mention I'm not good at walking away uh, from the sermon with with they the. Uh...
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. This was this was wonderful, and um, I think for I hope anyone listening who's got a, a past of trauma with the church that it was nice to hear from maybe a different perspective than they were expecting. So thank you for for doing what you do and how you do it. Oh, thank, thank you. Y'all. It's been my, my pleasure. So thanks for having me And listeners, if you just want to hear more talk about like behind the curtain curtain at churches or like the dick jokes and puns that are in the Bible because they're there, um <laughs> let us know in the comments or tag me on Instagram because I fucking I love talking about the background stuff of churches and just theology but obviously that doesn't fit within this podcast so if anyone's interested in just more <laughs> gabbing about that i would love to know and johnny i'm just gonna have to make like a theology nsfw spinoff just, just, just <laughs> okay.
1: I'm, I'm ready I, I i'll let the graphics guy know okay great. great. <laughs> so with that we will see you guys in two weeks as we always do and uh don't forget uh hit up kendall's website
0: try one thing.co.
1: Go to church. Uh, Ryan has one, First Baptist Church in Danville, Virginia. And uh, check out me talk all the reality that you will ever want to hear at realitynsfw.com. So until two weeks from now, bye. bye.